Hello and welcome to another edition of Dual Candle Radio with Lenora Sark. We are going to have a pretty interesting show today. So if you want to learn, tired of being pushed around, stay tuned in. Be right back. All right. Hello and welcome to this week's show. This week, we're going to be doing things a little bit different, like every week, pretty much. (laughs) But this week... I gotta run some stuff by you all. <clears throat> Are you tired of getting bullied by Satan? Are you tired of getting picked on by demons? Are you tired of constantly feeling like you're getting the raw end of the deal? Well, the first half of the show, we're going to look at situations and circumstances where demonic hands are in in order to help create a living hell for the believer. Now, anytime you have gatherings like what we've had, you know, they're releasing all this stuff in the air. We have drinks now that are water and cans, and they they have, you know, satanic spells on them. You know, we have a lot going on. And you can literally sit in your car in a parking lot and watch it all go down. You just see the demons just jumping in and out of people, wreaking havoc. But that's what they were supposed to do. But do we have to constantly be putting up with being the victim of it? Because it's directed towards people who are not going with their agenda, who they feel will stop their agenda, and who they feel that is just a target or an enemy. Everyone knows. I would like to say everyone knows. But whoever is a believer, you're a target. I say that more shows than I would like to, but uh, it's true. But nonetheless, let's take a look at some of the things that people deal with every day and they feel like, oh, it's just another day. Or you try to tell somebody who's not a believer and they just look at you like, well, I deal with that every day. What's the different? You know, what's any different than any other day? Well, guess what? When we're believers any kind of spiritual warfare or spiritual attack right now is especially at an all-time high. I don't know about you all, but you can actually have situations and circumstances pile up, triple, quadruple. You barely get one situation down. Here comes another. And then you just think you only have two situations to deal with. And then if you keep letting it go, it'll multiply. And then you'll have five different situations at once, all meant to tear you down gradually. But I don't know about you. This life that I have lived has already been extreme torture and hell. And it shouldn't be. But it was. And I have suffered and I have bounced back. And I have suffered and I have bounced back. And I have suffered again. You know, there's a common misconception that people have. Well, once I get older, you know, my temper will calm down or things will get a little bit easier or else I can retire and, or else if I get my own place or I can get away and just get to myself and, and then I won't have to deal with this anymore. Actually, the same childish 
school games that you dealt with in kindergarten is still being dealt with in our 40s and our 50s. And it's pathetic, but it's what's happening. People never gravitate past certain things. They just avoid it, but they never learn to deal with it head on. Well, today, we're going to be going through a couple different things so you know. Now, here's a scenario that is not necessarily demonic. Say, for example, you got your paycheck and you chose to go to the club and get your drink on instead of pay your rent. Well, you could say temptation would have gotten you, but you're not prioritizing and being responsible. So not being able to pay your rent is not demonic. It's you being lazy and choosing to go have fun over taking care of your priorities and expecting everybody else to pick up the pieces. So there's a difference in the scenario here to where it's our fault or we're being victimized by demonic entities, spells, etc. So it's wise to know how you have contributed. You know, if you decided to ride the fence, hey, I'm only going to be 50% Christian today and I'm going to be 50% hellion. Well, guess what? you're really going to be targeted with mass torturing and attacks because you have not made a firm decision. You cannot sit at the Lord's table and the devil's table at the same time. Basically, you need to pick one. So, after you have eliminated any dealings that it could have been you that brought the stuff on, or what you said, or what you did, or who you've been around... You know, once you've eliminated how you could have contributed to the certain circumstance that is really bad, then you can move on to spiritual. Because everything we got to look at in the physical at first. Especially, I had one um, individual who was dealing with back pain. And they contacted the site, hey, I've been to this doctor, I've been to that doctor, they can't find anything. And they just kept going on. And the spin, the rigmarole, if we may say, going from doctor to doctor to treatment to treatment and still nothing. Don't come to find out there was a demon that was lodged in around their spine. And since they were halfway across the world, I had to direct them to someone locally to them to put them through deliverance. And once they experienced the deliverance and they got cleaned out and then they got filled with the Holy Spirit again, because it's very important that you get filled because once you get cleaned out, you don't want the house empty. You have to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Once you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the demons have nothing to come back to. If they come back to an empty house, they will come back with a gateway demon and come back seven times stronger and it'll be that much harder to get them out the next time around and you may even experience horrible encounters just warning you now but it's always best to get filled with the holy spirit once this individual went step by step with the deliverance of the holy spirit as soon as they got done their back pain was completely gone so there's certain things in the physical that, that you have to rule out, whether if you're contributing or whether if it is an actual medical problem or whether if it is a mental um, disability or issue. 
you definitely want to rule out in the physical before you move on to the spiritual. Because one of the things you will find in the physical is there will be no valid explanation for what you are going through. That is number one on the Richter scale of knowing, hey, this is spiritual. I need to take it to the spiritual side and battle it like that. But you have got to determine that because no one can step inside you and determine it for you. So here we go. (laughs) Because the first part is basically going to be going over the circumstances. The second part is going to be what we can do to take background, to fight back, to stand up for the Lord and get this to to diminish, to dissolve and be done with. For this round. It doesn't always zero out the next rounds in the future, but at least you're getting this round down and you're telling the devil you're telling the devil, look, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I am done. So we're gonna look at a few key elements here that everyone goes through, especially when they're under high spiritual warfare and attack. One of the things is criticism. You feel criticized in every waking move. Every time you turn around, oh, you're not doing this right. Oh, you could do this better. Oh, you should probably do this along with this, this, and this. Whatever it is, you feel like you can never do enough. That is a battle strategy from the devil. To get you to feel like you're never doing enough, you need to do more, You're always going to fall short unless you go, 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 go. That will push people past Sabbath, their day of rest, because they'll feel guilty whenever they try to take rest for themselves, when it's very important to make sure you are rested, you are fed, you have what your immediate needs are. I don't mean you need what you need a year from now. I mean today. Your immediate needs are met today. Because that's the way God looks at things. He takes it one day at a time. He doesn't get five weeks ahead. He takes it one day at a time and has us focus and be present in that day. I know I've said this tons of times before, but uh, we're on autopilot. Life goes too fast. A lot of the things we're doing is not meaningful. It's not fulfilling us. It's not causing us to build our passion more towards what we're doing. So we're on autopilot, just staying in this dream world just to get through the work day or whatever. And then we can get home to the next episode of issues or our little safe place to where we can do what we want to do finally. But the devil's ticket there is criticism making you feel like you're never good enough, you can never keep up, you're always falling short. Whenever you experience this, stop. Say, please excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom or something. Just get off to yourself. Take two minutes and just lift up prayer. Another one is betrayals. Now, betrayals is really going to hurt the heart of the individual especially if you're a giving person or if you're a sensitive person or if you really just put all your eggs in one basket with one person when I would never suggest that. Always be patient with people because everybody has what I'd like to call that honeymoon stage where they're good, they're on time, 
everything's on point, and then after about four weeks, it falls off, and you start seeing the real them. Always be a little extra patient, and do not give your all at first. Reserve yourself. Don't be overly trusting. Oh, yeah, here's the keys to my house. I just met you yesterday. No, no. Have some common sense and handle your dealings with a little bit of caution because you don't want to hand out too much ammo in the beginning for a future betrayal. So, less is better until they have developed trust with you. And even then, sometimes, you still have a chance of betrayal. But we're going to be looking here in a moment on all the different signs of how to tell if someone has hidden betrayal on their heart so you can better guard yourself before you even get caught up in the trap. But you got to remember, Jesus endured betrayal as well. We all have our Judas. I don't care how good or great you are, at one time or another, you have experienced your Judas. I'd like to say, hey, this walk is nice and easy and nothing ever happens as bad. And nobody will ever experience a, a Judas because Jesus already did that. No, no. We all have a Judas. And the best way is just to go ahead and realize, hey, this is bound to happen. So what I need to do is stay close to the Lord and go from there. There's really nothing else to do until things iron out or until they fall out and you start seeing the blunt truth about it. <clears throat> and another thing that uh, the devil likes to do with betrayals is, especially in the prophetic, if you are in the prophetic, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult having close relationships because you're not going to be understood a lot of the time. They're not going to know how to treat you. They're not going to know how to talk to you at times. Um, and you're not always going to have the advice to tell them, hey, let's do this or whatever you see me acting like that, do this. That communication is simply not there sometimes. So what we're left with is miscommunication, broken bonds, broken connections, hurt, betrayal, <clears throat> And a deep distrust and humankind. Because you begin, this trust, begin starting to trust more in spiritual situations and experiences as your saving grace, more so than actual human interaction. Because we tend to bury ourselves in our caves very quickly. Because your cave is like your safe zone. You know, nobody can really criticize you unless you open the door and let them. Nobody can betray you unless you open the door of your cave and let them. So you have like a little bit of a safe zone. But whenever God pulls you out of your cave, there goes your safe zone and you're going to have to stand your ground. And the only way you can stand your ground is getting equipped, getting knowledgeable. Accusations is another big issue. Satan comes to accuse. And not all of them have weight or legs they can stand on. <clears throat> but it does not mean you will not be tried. You will not be harassed. You will not be tortured in the process. 
Because you can say, oh, well, I've got a good character and I've had, you know, really good, uh, I show up on time every day, this, that, and the other. And none of that matters whenever you're in the heat of an accusation. Basically, you have to stand your ground. And answer honestly. And also be ready for dishonest people, especially if you've got a whole group of enemies that are against you. Be ready for their dishonest witness against you. Because they all want to pile up on you. Human race is a bloodthirsty race. From the beginning of time, one of their main sources of entertainment was watching people fight to the death. Keep this in mind, folks. Not everyone has a good, rebuilt heart that God gave them. And the ones that are still waiting to meet Jesus, their hearts are cold, callous, and they'd be right there rooting on the one who's getting ready to kill you in the ring. Just know, it's a very brutal, cold world reality. But if it wasn't for the love of Jesus, a lot of us would have been crushed by now. But it was not God's will. Persecutions. Yeah. The devil does come to persecute the believer. Be ready. And they will pick the most insane. They'll use God's word against you. Like they're what they're doing now in some essences. But guess what? God knew that too. And that's why he went ahead and equipped the believer with Ephesians chapter 6. So they could stand in the battle. And win. <clears throat> For now. Until the next round. But persecutions will come in all forms. And some of it will be utterly ridiculous. Just be ready. And you'll be good to go. And a lot of people are like, okay, well you say get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay, I'm going to have you do a two-day test. Number first day. Number one. You can start on a Monday. You can start on a weekend. It's whatever. Two days. You need 48 hours. First day, I want you to get up, say your prayers, do your devotions, read some scripture, go about your day. Second day, get up, don't read your prayers, don't read scripture, don't do your devotions. This way you see head on what it feels like when you're armed and what it feels like when you're unarmed. And I bet you, if you get bit bad enough on that second day. And some people are like, oh, I can't believe you're telling people to do this. I am doing this for the source so you can see with your own two eyes how important it is to get up in the morning, get your armor on, get covered by the blood of Jesus in prayer, through devotion, through scripture. Because the scripture does something supernatural that people are not aware of. If you're angry and if you can quiet yourself and discipline yourself enough to sit down and read one chapter, you're going to see your mood change. You're going to see an extreme difference in, your, in the inside of you, in your mind. You're going to have unusual calmness and peace come over you. And then you try to get mad again after you read scripture and it's not the same. Because then you're automatically reverted back. Hey, I just read scripture. So that kind of puts you in check. With the Holy Spirit, like, hey, wait a minute, 
what do we have just now? Kind of puts you in check. And then you're like, okay, all right, I know what to do. I'm going to keep it in check from this moment forward. But that is a good way to reset you spiritually. It's just a stop, read some scripture. Especially if you can't. Now, if you can't, break away somehow. Find an exit. If you can't, then pray under your breath, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. You said that no temptation shall be more than I can deal with. And you said you would also offer a game plan or a way of escape. And I'm calling to ask you right now in the mighty name of Jesus for a way of escape so I can get in and reset my spirit, reset my demeanor, and get it in a more respectable and controllable way. Because we can get out of hand, especially if we feel backed against the corner, or we feel smothered, or we feel like we're forced to make a decision right here and now. Those are the tactics you can use. Split second, in the heat of the moment. <clears throat> Another thing that we'll deal with is temptations. Um, say, for example, if you were out dating and you're trying to clean yourself up, stop dating, you finally realize, okay, this is no longer serving me, this is no longer something I need to keep doing, and you want to clean up. One of the things that is going to happen is you are going to be tempted by beautiful people. You're going to be tempted by sexual interaction, stuff like that. And that is to put you back in that place of sin. But any time Especially if you were living a life of sin and then you were trying to straighten up, you got a dose of the Holy Spirit, and you finally feel a little on fire and a lot more bolder to move through and actually make this happen, to be sinless in this area, then expect temptations to come at you around the clock. But you know what it says in Scripture. If you resist that means do not go along with the temptation. Exit. Go the opposite direction. If you resist the devil, he will flee. Because he has realized, hey, this one's getting smart. I need to get out of here and regroup because this one I couldn't get one over on. Then you worry the devil. And that's basically the whole basis of anything right now anyways. is We're worrying the devil because, hey... <laughs> There's still believers in the world, despite everything going on. Oh, Not even sad. Alright, disappointments. Ooh. How many people face ongoing disappointments all the time? You get your hopes up for something to happen and you get disappointed. You think you're next in line for a raise because you know you've been in there putting the hours in. You show up to work. You're the first one there, the last one to leave. All these extra things that make you feel qualified for this raise and you get passed up. Mm. Disappointments. You had amazing plans to go and hang out with your friend or your daughter or your son or, or whoever. Or see grandma for the first time since she's been in you know, a, a nursing home. And then something happens, and you can't make it. Disappointments. What does disappointments do to you? Because I want you to think for a minute, how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel 
when it comes to you plan everything and it doesn't go as planned. And then here you are stuck holding the ball with no remedy, <laughs> no solution, just disappointments. You really need to factor these in. The wisest thing to do is whenever you go into prayer in the morning, you're applying your armor, factor in, Lord, help me with handling disappointments. Help me when the path goes another direction than what I thought it would for this day. It's a matter of being submissive to God, but also being patient. And I know a lot of people don't like that word. I don't even like that word because everybody wants everything now. We're in that type of world. I want it now. I want my cheeseburger. I want it now at the drive-thru. Everything's now, now, now. Because I don't have 15 minutes. I don't have 30 minutes because my life won't stop going. I have all these things I have to get done and all this short time and etc. It's a lot. It's a lot. So a lot of people, they're forced into becoming impatient. But the call is patience. Being patient when you mess up. Being patient when you experience disappointments. It is not easy, but you have to get in the mindset of, maybe it wasn't for me right now. There is a time for me, just not right now. And then move on. The more you linger, the more you stay on it, the more it will burn you from the inside out. And there goes your peace, there goes your demeanor, there goes your happiness, and there goes your love. It's a downward spiral from that moment forward if you don't grab the reins of yourself and realize, I just got to be patient. That's all there is to it. I'm not going to sit here and beat against something that's not worth winning. Just move forward. Distractions. Oof. Oof. How many have non-stop distractions? Oof, oof, oof. All the time. All the time. How many of you pick up your phone and you go to set your alarm, for example, just for your alarm clock so you can wake up on time the next morning in case whatever might happen and you oversleep. And then, oh, well, Facebook has an alert. Oh, well, I'm going to go over here. Next thing you know, you done checked your email. Next thing you know, you checked this alert. Next thing you know, you went here. Distractions. Throws you off course. So after you've handled all these little distractions while you're just trying to set your alarm, then you have to stop and think, what was I doing? I, I originally picked up my phone to go and set my alarm clock. But I've done, went to Facebook, my emails, checked some other alerts. I got severely distracted. And it ate time. See, once you realize that distractions are created to eat time, and then you circle back around to the scripture verse that says, redeem the time for the days are evil. And a lot of people don't understand what all that means. Okay, we're living in a very evil environment. It is positive if you create it that way. But for the majority, we look out, we see evil, we see problems, and it's endless. So, 
with all this fighting against us already before we can even turn back the covers in the morning so we can get out of bed. And then all the distractions, mishaps, hang-ups, disappointments, and everything else puts us further behind schedule. And then we turn into being overly self-critical. Oh my God, well, you should have bounced back from this, but you should have just cut this corner or should have cut this out and focused on something else to, you know, get your time back and you won't be running behind of this, that, and the other. Just like we did the disappointments, factor in distractions. Sit down. And you owe this to yourself. You know, if you hear this, you know what, I'm not doing anything, she says. I'm just going to keep doing me. You know, I made it this long. I can make it however much longer. That's great. But if you sit down and figure out whenever you're mapping out your day, if that's even what you're doing. Because some people, they just get up and they're on autopilot and they just go from place to place to place and end up hopefully within eight hours back on their couch playing video games. And that's just what they're working towards. But if you are organized, sit down and factor in distractions. If you know that you're going to be stopping by a convenience store with a long-winded cashier, you can either choose to go to another convenience store or if that's going to be too far out of the way, too much of an inconvenience, factor in that extra time. And you know this person's going to talk your ear off and tell you five stories when you only came in there for a cup of coffee and you just wanted to leave, but you can't because they won't stop talking. I don't know about you, but demonic people or demonic entities or just demonic actions altogether shows up as one of two things. A predator or a parasite. When it comes to distractions and disappointments, temptations, that is on the parasite side. And what these people will do, that if they're allowing the the demons to use them, is attach themselves to you and just weigh on you until you shake it off. So you're trying to maneuver forward, you're finding out you don't have your speed, you're getting disorganized, you're having to stop and explain too much, or you're having to just stop and attend to these individuals too much, then you'll be able to know. Then you'll know what's behind it. And just remember, parasite or predator. One of the two. And you'll hear people talk about, well, I try to stay away from that one individual because they're like a vampire. They just won't leave. It's like they sink their teeth into you and you're drained, sapped, dry, and or else you'll have other people who say, well, I try to stay away from that person because they're always negative and they always bring me down and, and they just go on and on and on. Parasite, once you understand the method of the attack, then you can move forward even more with your spiritual warfare. But what you'll find first is a lot of parasites. Just giving you a heads up. Now, distractions. That's an evil thing, it feels like at times, especially whenever you're on a tight schedule. And it never fails. 
Like, you're on a tight schedule. You don't have 30 minutes to invest in listening to four different stories, and they're still bumping them gums. Respectfully, cut it down, shut it down, move on. That's all you can do with that scenario. But, in our own lives, because you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you could be talking about the workplace, the work commute, stuff like that. Yes, I could. But, what does your people network look like in your life? And do you find yourself going through more harassment, spiritual warfare, and torturous events with certain groups of people than you do others? What about certain friends than you do other certain friends? The battle is real, and Satan will use whoever is willing. Keep that in mind. And we also have frenemies. Yeah, that's a rough one. <clears throat> now, one of the things a frenemies will do. Let me look up something real quick. You'll get around certain people and you'll just feel bad. As soon as you get within 10 feet of them, you're like, ugh. Your spirit, everything just starts sulking. And you start getting depressed and sad and drained. And you're just like, oh my God, every time I come around this person, this happens. Why does this always happen? Is it just this person? Is it me? Or I'm having a bad day? Everyone turns outer issues and circumstances inward. But you got to ask yourself, before all this started, were you okay prior? Did you have inner turmoil? Did you have unfinished business or animosity from the day before that you did not put to rest in prayer? If you were completely fine prior, then you're going to know you could be in the presence of a frenemy. And one of the telltale signs, besides the predator parasite, is the feeling of just low. It's like your whole spirit sinks whenever you get around them. That is a sign that the devil could be using them. Then it talks about, let's see, what did I write down here? Criticism. Here we are back with the criticism. Have you ever had people who just criticize you and they act like they're picking on you, but then they're joking at the same time, but it still hurts? Yeah, that's not just gaslighting. That's not just being narcissistic. That's straight up saying, hey, I'm only around you for the benefit of you. Not our beauty of friendship and love that we've developed as a growing bond together as two friends. They don't care about that part. They just want the benefits. And if you are quick enough constantly do things for people, to constantly give things to people, to be nice all the time. Um, you're right there whenever they need you, but you're the only one. Come on now. Guard yourselves. See, there's constructive criticism and then there's harmful criticism. Constructive criticism gives you a way, a, a tactic, a strategy to build you up and more successful so you can move forward without the hiccup or trip up of where the criticism was applied at. But negative criticism is tailored and geared and zeroed in to tear you down 
and make you feel worthless, useless, a horrible person. So the only way you're going to really know the difference is if you take a moment and, and reflect on how you're feeling after they say this. Do I feel like I just want to go crawl in a hole? Or do I feel like I want to try something different so I can succeed? Okay? You have a sinking, sulking, depressive feeling. Or a feeling that, okay, I'm leveled out. I'm neither happy nor sad. But I'm ready to figure out a different way to reroute my strategy so I can succeed. Okay, those are the two differences. Pay attention to how you're feeling. Because a lot of the times, we get so busy. That we don't even give ourselves time to bounce back from the last problem before we're tackling the next problem. So we don't really give ourselves time to say, hey, how am I feeling right now? Let me do a self-check. Do I feel sad? If I do, why? I mean, sometimes you have to get away to avoid the distractions so you can check yourself out and be like, okay, how am I doing? Am I okay? Am I not okay? How can I get okay? What disrupted or wrinkled the smooth of my day? Um, let's look at something else. Another sign that you have a friend of me or someone in your life who is secretly against you. Uh, they aren't happy about your achievements. Have you ever noticed that you'll acquire more grumpy, complaining friends whenever you're in a grumpy, complaining mood than any other time? But then whenever things start to get better and you start moving out of your problem, well, then they don't like you that much anymore. And you try to say, hey, I got some good news. And you'd think they would be happy with you. You guys could celebrate together. But they don't say anything. But, oh, okay. And then the whole time you're wondering, what? And it steals your joy on top of it. So now neither one of you are happy because the frenemy who is posing as the friend was all happy when you were miserable because misery loves company. But whenever you got out of your miserable, st- miserable state, like they had ample chance and time to, but they didn't, then they're no longer happy because that means they don't have anybody to be miserable with. Okay, Miser- being miserable is a choice to an extent. If you can take a stand, do some, something about it. Do it because you owe it to yourself and everyone else around you. Because we don't always want to put up with your grumpy butt. Just saying. So do what you can. Get your happiness and your peace back. Quit relying on other miserable friends to keep being miserable. Because there's life past the misery. But... We have got to be able to spot these things. Have you ever just put anything on, like, say you're in a group, and you say, hey, say you're in, um, like, an AA meeting, for example, and you're so happy that you stopped drinking, and you've been, you know, sober so many years, and, and only a few people clapped. The ones who did not clap are the ones still struggling with the drinking and they're not going to be happy for you because they didn't solve their own problem and all they are is reminded that they need to continue to try to solve their problem but they're not there yet and they're miserable. Folks, those are just a couple scenarios. And it doesn't mean that everyone has to be happy for us when we're happy. It would be nice, but if they are really for you, 
they will be happy. If the demons are not using them to take you down, they will be happy. Because every time there is a cause of celebration, especially in the Jewish world, they celebrate like no tomorrow. Because that gives them a reason to be happy. That gives them a reason to cook food and be loving and joyful with one another. Because people would rather do that most of the time if they have their top choice than be miserable, sad, depressed, angry, everything else. So, understand, when you see that, be very careful. I would not even move any forward with that relationship. I'd keep everything just kind of, you know, down low until you found your way for exit. Because people who are for you will celebrate with you. People who are secretly against you will not. And then you have the ones who are narcissistic. And I don't want to just zero it out into only narcissism. You have the people who only want an audience. They don't care how you're doing. They don't care what you're going through. They don't care that you may have a situation that you're waiting on them to stop talking about yourself long enough or themselves long enough to listen to the situation because they came off as they want to be friends with you. When in actuality, they only want a person with pom-poms to cheer them on or to take him out. And they only want the focal point to be around them when it's actually a two-way street. So if you're in a conversation with someone and you find out they've spent a whole 25 minutes talking about themselves and has yet to ask you how you are, exit. Because it's always going to be about them. You won't even be allowed to be human around them. Just exit. Do yourself a favor. (laughs) Eliminate it. Or wait and see how it burns or how it bites back. Hey, your choice. But you've been enlightened. And you've been awakened by the truth of this matter. And along with that is one thing you'll find is their emotional needs consistently outweigh yours. So if both of you have a problem, their problem is going to be handled first. And then if they have time, they'll work on your problem. But, folks... This is a two-way street. And if two walk together, they, you know, two agree, they'll walk together. If they disagree, it's difficult to walk together with them. And then you have the ones that are always asking for favors. Hey, can you stop by the store and pick this up and stop by and get my laundry and do this and that? It's like, uh, hello? I have my own schedule, too. What are you offering to take off my plate since you're adding to it? And what I've noticed is people like that, uh, I don't want to say that they're specifically exclusively in the vampire section or the mooch section, but they are definitely in the parasite section because they want to keep you busy with miscellaneous things that don't even involve you. You don't have to go and get grandma's laundry, um, grandma's groceries and stop by and pick up the uh the collar from the vet and do all these other things when they're just a friend and it's not even your grandma now some people they do this because they feel obligated because they were asked but you have to be fair to yourself and not to build up animosity later 
and say yes or no after clearly thinking, hey, do I have time to add this into my schedule? Are they asking me to do these things all the time? Or is it just every once in a while? You gotta keep it balanced. Because people who are constantly asking favors of you, constantly asking you to do things, they're using you, okay? So it's very important that you put your foot down and say, look, I stopped and picked up all those things before, but I really don't have time today. You can ask someone else. And then keep those no's rolling out for a couple more weeks after that to break off the connection, to let them know, hey, I am not the one that does all your errands. That's your life. That's a you issue. I have me. And sometimes instead of just saying that, you have to show it. So respectfully, you can say no. And respectfully, I am not available for this next time. And respectfully, cut it off before it starts. To protect you, protect yourself. Now, if you have the ability and you're able to do what they've asked, that's one thing. But just know, seeing this repeatedly is a sign you are being used, not valued as an actual friend. And the only way you're going to know is if to pay attention to the constant, is it happening over and over again? Is, did it just happen once and it ironed out for a little bit? I mean, only you can recollect how it went down, what's happening, how often, etc. But whenever you see that, that is a hidden frenemy. They are an enemy hidden within their hearts towards you. And they're just going to sap you dry. And usually whenever they come to the end of using you or you put your foot down where they can't use you, then they'll pull another card and everything will get a little bit more aggressive. Get ready, but continue to stand your ground. And they talk behind your back. That's another thing. As a real friend is not just going to go behind your back and say all manners of difficulties that half the time they won't ever tell you, but they don't really have the problem to begin with. They just want to use it for visibility and attention. Because they figure, oh, if I can get an edge way or a foothold or something here, then I can get everybody else to jump aboard my plan and go from there. I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to have 15 minutes to get this knocked out. Be right back. All right. Welcome back. I'm going to jam pack this because literally there was a time when I first started doing radio, I could barely squeeze out 15 minutes worth of uh, sermon of anything. Now I can't seem to squeeze it in one hour. This is what happens whenever you stay repetitive with the Lord. He will expand and prosper your ability to where you once thought you couldn't, but now you can easily. All right, let's get this thing going. We're looking at Max Anders' three spiritual warfare tactics and how to defend against them. Now, dirty tricks. These are negative circumstances the enemy uses to deceive and defeat us. They include challenging circumstances that we may not even know are satanic in origin. Okay? The next one, mind games. Another tactic of spiritual warfare is mind games, which the enemy uses to deceive Christians. That gets them to think that which is false is true. That which is bad is good. That which is wrong is right. Stay with the core founding foundations of what Jesus taught you. What is right is right. What is wrong is wrong. 
Then you have hand-to-hand -hand combat. Occasionally, the enemy comes out from behind his dirty tricks and mind games and engages God's people directly in hand-to-hand -hand combat. This, I will tell you, after all other tries and attempts have failed, this is a last-type resort. This means they know they're losing, so they're going to give it all they got. Keep standing your ground. Take a last man standing mentality. Go ahead, get in your spirit. I ain't going nowhere. You are going somewhere. But by the power and the strength of Jesus Christ, I am standing my ground, and this is what it is. And then we have something else to keep... Uh, Take a quick note of unusual circumstantial calamity as in the book of Job. Okay, we have physical maladies, which is physical disabilities, physical anything. Like I spoke of earlier in the show, that's going to be in Luke chapter 13, verse 11. Then we have severe depression and mental instability. That's going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 14 through 15. Inaccurate and faulty thinking, that's usually a result of being tired, hungry, overworked. Understand the recipe for disaster there. Remember what I was saying earlier. You can't pour from an empty cup. Get replenished with the Holy Spirit. Get your rest. Get your nourishment. Get yourself taken care of. Get your armor on in the beginning of the day so you are ready for the wiles of the devil because they always blindside you with unknown distractions. Don't be a victim. You don't have to. The word is right here. But for this, this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And then, thoughts raised up against God. This is usually when we come to the end of our ropes and we feel like God is not listening. God is not answering our prayers. God always leaves this little bit of room right before he comes through and just clears the board of anything you're dealing with. Stand strong in the faith at this moment more than any other moment. And have that last man standing mentality. You will see. Okay, these are the things to do. Be alert. First, we must be alert to its reality. So if we don't know what's happening, or we don't know why it's happening, then we got to circle into what is the spiritual context, what is happening right now spiritually. Because if we ruled out the physical, when we've moved into the spiritual, then we can say, okay, this is definitely demonic. So, be alert. This is be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's First Peter 5.8. Look, if you're on autopilot, you're an easy target. If you're walking out in a bad neighborhood looking down, you're not even paying attention to what's going on around you. You are an easy target. But if you are alert, making eye contact with people, that is going to deter them from attacking you. I live in the city, honey. And this is how you do it. This is how you survive. Okay? Put on the armor of God. Talking about that in the beginning of the show. The shield of faith, shoes of peace, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, and resist the devil. Okay, when you resist, he realizes, hey, this one got smart. I got to go. I got to reroute. That's what you want to do. Keep that devil rerouting. And then this is what you need to do ongoing. Maintain a clear conscience. Resist temptation. Control sinful thoughts. And basically that's just going into quick prayer, downcasting vain imaginations with the blood of Jesus and taking back your mind for Jesus. Then, quote scripture, pray. See, a lot of these things, if we just stay in the word every day, then that will help us. But we get sidetracked. We lose precious time every day. It's so difficult to stay 
where we need to stay. But here's the main thing. Too many of us have a vengeful spirit. We want to get back at the enemy. We want to give them a taste of their own medicine. We want to give them back all the harm, torture, pain, everything else that they've caused us. Okay, look. Look how powerful you are as a person by yourself. Some of us are a little itty-bitty. We're not that powerful. We're not that mean and angry. <clears throat> We're not that scary. But God, if you would just give him the space, step out of his way, give him the space, he will go through and take care of them people right in front of you. But what do you got to do? Say you're having a problem with an issue, you know, at people at work, and you go into the bathroom real fast. You take a moment to yourself and say, Lord Jesus... This and that's what's going on. I just lift this person up to you and I ask you to bless them with a blessing of Abraham 100 fold and I forgive them and I just lift them up into your hands, Lord. Have your way. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. And then watch. Usually within a couple hours, couple minutes, sometimes a couple days, you will see God come through and work on your behalf and handle the situation way better than you ever had the power or the patience or the mentality or the mindset. But we got to step out the way and let God handle it. Because we look down to the actual zeroed out battlefield. And who is on that battlefield? We are just the pawns. This isn't our battle. This is God's battle. And sometimes we got to step out the way and say, you know what, Lord? Here you go. I just want to remain clean and blemish free and under the blessing of Jesus Christ. And I just want to step out of the way and hand it over to you and let you take care of this from this moment forward. Because I, I realize the battle is not against me. That you are the one fighting the battles and you are going to right the wrongs. All I got to do as get out your way and give it to you, Lord. Lay it at the altar. Operate in forgiveness and in blessing. Bless your enemies and watch God step to the plate and take care of it. The very second you begin to do it. If you operate this and make this a habit, then the people that you once loved that turned into your enemies, you can actually go back to loving them to an extent from a distance, but then see God bring them to a different light and a different place to where maybe they can find salvation. Maybe they can find where your source of joy and your peace is that they can't seem to find, and they're jealous of you for having it. The power is in. Phew. Blessing and forgiving. That is one of the ultimate powers that we will have. Now, there is, let me see how much longer I have left. All right. Let's go ahead and move this forward. There is a spiritual warfare prayer that I will leave you all with <clears throat> to help, especially if you feel like you are the victim of witchcraft or anything demonic in that field. Because nine times out of ten, it is a source of witchcraft of some sort. You don't have to figure out, oh, well, what, have, what kind of spell were they cast on me when this and that happened? Nope. Just rule it all out. Go straight for the punch. And here it is. I'm going to say this prayer right now. 
And you can also use this prayer any time of the day, several times. It's up to you. Let the Holy Spirit move you to speak it next. Because the Holy Spirit sees before we do the path ahead. And if we just stay hidden in the Lord, we'll get that alert. We'll get that warning. And then we know when to act and how to stand our ground. So let's do it. Father, in Jesus' name, I break and loose myself from all witchcraft, curses, and evil, and demons being sent to me and my family. As your war club and weapons of war, I break in pieces the walls of protection that the sickness and the witches have put up, and I return the evil and the demons back to them. I send the judgment of God to the sickness and the witches, sending anything our way. In Jesus' name. I heap coals from the altar of God upon their foreheads. In Jesus' name, I cover me and my family with the blood of Jesus and ask for warring archangels to be placed around us for protection. I break and loose us from psychic power, thoughts, and prayers. I break and loose us from words spoken in hurt, anger, sorrow, or bitterness. I break and loose us from the power of incense and candles being burned on our behalf. I break and loose us from the ungodly intercessory prayers. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, if you felt something break off, then that was in witchcraft, no longer having the power over you to withstand, and you just took the last man standing mentality and fought it off. And as always, it is a blessing to come into your homes every week with a message of some sort. If you like what you're hearing, share it. Keep sharing. Bless someone else with it. Don't just keep the blessing for yourself. And if you need to revert back on this, it'll definitely be archived on Spotify, Anchor FM, and now Player FM has just picked it up. Thank you again. So, We don't have to walk around being victims all the time. We can take a stand. God did give us a backbone and he showed us how to use it. So let's do this in the name of Jesus. We owe it to our next generation to stand now so they can stand then. Lord willing, I will see you all next week. God bless every one of you.